Network. Let's see. Trillions spent, thousands of lies published, businesses destroyed, families driven into bankruptcy, even the innocent jailed without trial, without charge. And all of it rooted in lies. Lies. Well, let the healing begin with the balm of truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your voice of truth is Dan Newman. Just when you think it can't get more chaotic, guess what happens? It gets more chaotic. You just think it can't get any higher than it is every day, and every day we awaken. And it's worse. Wow. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Don't panic. We're going to be fine. We know who is really in charge, and his name is not Joe. His name is God. God is in control as long as the church exists. And I'm not talking about steel and brick and sheetrock church. I'm talking about the church that is built and it resides in the hearts of every person who's a follower of Jesus. That's the church. We will be okay. How do I know that? Because the Word of God says so, the Bible. I know, I know, you're one of those crazy Christians, Dan. Well, I don't know about the crazy part, but I can promise you this. I am a Christian. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus as God's son. I believe Jesus came to earth as a man. He hung on a cross bearing the sins of humanity, and he rose from the dead, and he's alive today. I believe in all that. Why do you believe that? Is there any concrete proof? Yes, there is. I can feel my Christian spirit all the time. I can define it as being different from just a regular old Dan Newman. I'm better when I concentrate on the spirit of God that's within me. I'm not preaching to anybody. I'm talking about me. And I'm 69 years old. I'm about to be 70 years old. So I've got a lot of stuff in my past. A lot of things I've been through that have cleaned up my thoughts on a lot of areas so I can dispel the junk in large part throughout my life that we've all picked up. In many cases, we still have some of it. I've done my best to throw it away and to get rid of those interruptions, those distractions, and concentrate on doing the good things that God puts in front of me. And I consider you, I consider this show, I consider this opportunity to get together every day I consider it one of those good things. We can share, and you are very, very positive about things, and you interact with me, mostly through emails. I think that is easier for everybody. But if you want to call, feel free to call, toll-free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Anytime during the show. And we don't have call screeners. When you call, I'll be the one that picks up the phone. So be nice. (laughs) We don't have to agree on everything, but at least we can be nice to each other. If you would prefer to send me your comments or send me your questions, also, I know you're a busy person. You have a lot on your plate. And if that's easier to do, feel free to do it. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. 
We've got a lot of things to dig into today. Some absolutely surprising good economic news this morning on the labor front. We're going to get into that and we're going to dig into who the heck brought the cocaine into the White House. And we learned overnight it wasn't just laying on a table or a desk. It was in a locker in the West Wing. We have a lot about that. And former President Trump, he gives us the three names of the people that he's positive, one of them, if not all three, are responsible for that cocaine in the White House. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll be funny to talk about. And uh, just so you know this, Joe Biden isn't the first president that ended up having cocaine in his White House. Who else might that be? Well, I'll just tell you this. It's more than one. Oh, my gosh. We've had now three or four presidents that had cocaine in the White House. Hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of other stuff to get into. But right now, take a little listen to my nephew. And this is from one of his performances on The Voice. Des Duran. Feeling darn good. Feeling good. Des. Birds flying high. You know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel It's a new dawn, it's a new day It's a new life for me And I'm feeling Good I'm feeling so good Fish in the sea You know how I feel River running free It's a new day. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. 
Duran, yeah, he is my nephew. I'm going to tell you something, a couple of things you probably wouldn't even know about him. He's from Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport, Louisiana. That's where he went to school, and he didn't just go to school there. He was a quarterback, a quarterback who quarterbacked state championship football teams. And he left high school and went to Yale to play quarterback. I bet you didn't know about that. It was when he was at Yale, he got that chance to interview for The Voice. And something interesting about Yale University, the Ivy League schools, many of them have, as you know, different perspectives on life things. And they have a whole system put in place for people that are at Yale that get amazing opportunities to do something right then. They called Des in and said, look, we're going to stop your education right now where you are. I think it was his the end of his sophomore year. And they said, you go do this thing in Hollywood. You find out if that's something that you want to do and if and when you want to come back, we'll restart your Yale education right where it is today. I thought that was nifty. No, he did not go back to Yale. He is a professional singer. And um, one of the shows that he's done, his famous singer, his most favorite singer, uh, was Frank Sinatra. And he does a show called Frankly Des. And it's a killer because he sings pretty much all of the Frank Sinatra hits. And he throws a few of his own in. In fact, that song you just heard, Feeling Good, which he sang when he was a finalist at The Voice. That's part of the show. So be watching where you live. Look for Des Duran or Frankly Des. He does a lot of different things, but he is a great singer, but a better young man. And by the way, a mighty young Christian man. He's just a good, good kid. And I, I got to quit calling him that. He's not a kid anymore. <laughs> so I told you we had some good news, and we do. News just came out this morning. ADP, biggest payroll company in the world, says that private payrolls grew by just under half a million more than twice the expectations. Job growth exploded higher in June. This is according to ADP. They said the private sector added 497,000 jobs last month. That's far more than the expected 225,000. The leisure and hospitality sector added a jaw-dropping dropping 232,000 jobs. Think about that, 232,000 in just leisure and hospi- uh, hospitality. Construction sector added 97,000. Natural resources and mining, 69,000. Manufacturing, Payrolls there shrank by 42,000. That's not a good sign. 
Trade, transportation, and utilities grew by 90,000. Education and health services added 74,000. The information sector shrank by 30,000, and finance contracted by 16,000. Professional and business services shrank by 5,000. So where'd the biggest growth come? What sector was it in? Smaller businesses hiring. Businesses with 19 or fewer people added 162,000 workers. Those with 20 to 49 workers added 137,000. If they had between 50 and 250 workers, they added 171,000. And businesses with between 250 and 500 employees added 12,000 jobs. Larger businesses, the big ones, shrank their payrolls by $8,000. Now, what's the explanation for all of this? Listen closely. I've got it. I've got it. And I'm going to give you the truth right now. The truth is, I don't have a clue. (laughs) There is, I can't look at my economy. And I've been around a few places the last few months. I mean, I've I've been in, uh, I've been in Georgia. I've been in Miami, Florida. I've been in Dallas. I've been in Fort Worth. Um, In those areas, and then I've even been overseas. I just don't get the sense that, the economy is getting better in the United States. I don't understand this. With this big bump in jobs, one would think, and the question one would ask is this, how can this be when inflation is still roaring, prices are through the roof, everything costs more, and if you don't think they're manipulating it in the world of business, go buy a loaf of bread today. Just go buy a loaf of bread. You're going to find out it's probably close to the same price you played two years ago for the same loaf of bread. But here's the thing they've done. The bread pieces are way smaller than they were two years ago. Manufacturers, packaging companies, they've got to find ways to cut costs. They didn't tell us what the payrolls are for all these new jobs either, did they? Cost of doing business are going up. How much are they going up? I don't have the exact numbers, but we'll get that soon. However, I don't want to denigrate the fact that a lot of jobs were added in June. That is a good sign. A couple of reasons. Businesses are getting back to producing the same kind of messages that they were producing before and that their goods and services are in demand and they're now more than they've been able to through I guess the last couple of years, get those goods and services out there to the demand of the people that want them. That's a really good sign. The second thing is people are not scared to death like they have been about the economy and are saying, we got to move forward. So they're going back to work. And then these companies, these places where they work are producing more stuff. It's just a circle. It's almost like a circle of life. Everything feeds into everything else. And when pay is up, when paid employees and number is up, it is a good sign for the American economy. So let's just keep hoping and praying for even better results next month and the following month. And I don't care if it goes all the way to the 2024 election. I want us to keep growing and getting better at what we do as a nation. I don't care who's in charge. 
We have a structure, a political structure in place. We talked about it ad nauseum this morning in our 6 o'clock prayer meeting about the political structure. Um, Des's father, my brother, Denny Duran, he's a pastor, and he has a great saying. When he gets on a plane, he may not like the plane, he may not like the airline, and he may not even like the captain of that plane for that trip. But you know what? We all want the captain to get us to where we're going and get us there in a timely fashion and in one piece. A segue from that right to something else we mentioned this morning. We were instructed by Jesus to pray for those who are in authority over us. That, my friends, includes President Joe Biden. I pray for him every day, and I encourage you to do the same thing. I know we've got differences when Donald Trump was in the White House, I had differences with Donald Trump. I hated, I despised, and still do much of his messaging. But I sure liked the results of what he did. So I prayed for him, even though I didn't agree with everything. I pray with Joe. I pray for Joe because I'm told to. And I really want him to be successful in governing the nation because when he is, it's better for the people. And that thing that we have been told forever is fact will look more factual, which is our government is government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So let's segue away from that wonderful financial news, which it is, to something, in fact, several things that are really not good. Target. Now, we know Target, the chain, is under real, real pressure, and it's over there moved to get heavily involved in the transgender movement in support of it. Target's decided to drop Mark Levin's new book, and their reason for doing so is their fear of offending Democrats. This is not a joke. They're really doing it. Target has reportedly informed conservative radio host and litigator Mark Levin that it will not carry his new book titled The Democrat Party Hates America. And the reason they're going to pull it off the shelf is for fears of offending Democrats who shop at Target. Levin, whose previous books have been New York Times bestsellers, he made the revelation about this yesterday on Twitter. He tweeted this, Target has informed my publisher, Simon & Schuster, that it will not carry my new book when it's released on September 19th. It claims that certain customers might be offended by the title. Imagine that. The title again is The Democrat Party Hates America. (laughs) I can see why they would be a tad offended. So the corporatist left-wing censorship begins. That's in his tweet. He said, I will discuss this in more detail on this evening's radio show, which I didn't listen to last night. However, I'd like to encourage you to go to Amazon.com and pre-order your discounted copies. Let's send a big message and drive pre-order sales way up on Amazon's list. Thank you. (laughs) What are we going to do if we have to uh, avoid anything and everything that is offensive to somebody? (laughs) What's left? I mean, if you think about it, everything, everything we do, can be considered to be wrong by somebody else, and they don't like it. 
the target process of doing what they're doing and banning Levin's book is not going to work. It's not going to stop anything. It's going to push the rancor and the vitriol up to even higher levels. It turned away from free speech and freedom of expression to not in our stores, we're woke, and we're not going to let anybody say anything bad about anybody else in any books we carry. You know they carry at Target books that are offensive to some people. How do I know that? Everything I say, it's going to possibly offend somebody out there. And the same thing holds true for you. So how are they going to wipe away any possibility of offending anybody? They're not. They're doing what is, based upon their corporate leadership today, what they need to do to not offend one segment of the nation. And they have no idea if it's going to offend anybody in that segment or if it does, how many people, what percentages, but they've got to appear. We're woke at Target. Well, Target, I don't normally shop at Target, but every once in a while, I'll go in to find something that I've been told is there. Or I'll go in with Marianne, my wife. Ain't going back to Target. I'm done with Target. Now, how's that going to help anything, Dan? won't help me at all. But it might send, if enough of us take that same approach, it might turn into um, Bud Light. What happened to Bud Light? What happened to Anheuser-Busch? They're still trying to recover from their $17 billion loss in their value because they went woke. They went woke. And Americans said, we've had enough of that. I think Target's going to experience something, maybe not to that degree, but they're going to experience something like that. They've already seen their values drop because of their woke transgender propagation that they did in all their stores. The last time I was in Target, when I walked through the front door, there was a whole display of transgender stuff there for Pride Month. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I hate you. Just because you disagree with me, if you're claiming to be woke, typically means you hate me. You don't know me, but you hate me. Stamp a label on my head. You think, if you look at me, I'm a six foot one, big, broad, bald man with a beard and an earring. I am instantly labeled as a white supremacist. And I'm anything but a white supremacist. But knowing somebody, it's unnecessary. If you're in power today, if you're part of the ruling class, which is the Democrat Party, and some that are even further left than the Democrat Party are, if you're in that category, you have reached out and grabbed the unencumbered right to put a label on anybody. And, (laughs) excuse me, and you can make it as derogatory as you want, and it doesn't matter. You'll not be uh, held accountable for it. You know why? Because you're woke. I'm still trying to figure out what being woke is. I woke up this morning, and I'm glad I did. So does that mean I'm woke now? No, that means I'm awake now. 
I don't think by the classic definition of being woke, I'm anywhere close to that. I don't know that. I'm just saying it probably is that way. So we are just getting cranking on TNN Live today. You remember the lockdowns that we had here? You remember some of the lockdowns overseas were a little more stringent and a little more uh, pervasive in the lives of some citizens around the world. Well, some chief over in the UK says that they will obey future lockdowns there. Citizens have learnt the behavior, he said. That's next. When you're fed up with the nagging heartburn of today's lies, how do you spell relief? TNN, the Truth News Network. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive, no drama. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. In a world where truth is in short supply, you have an abundance of it right here. TNN, the Truth News Network. So let's get right to that UK government lockdown thing. An advisor there is confident that any future pandemic lockdown that comes with compulsory mask edicts will be met with total compliance because people have learned a new behavior. And in principle, you can switch it back on. So who is this? It's a professor named David Halpern. He told the Daily Telegraph the country had practiced the drill of wearing face masks and working from home and could redo it and would redo it in a future crisis because people are now conditioned to do what they are told. We're conditioned, well, the UK is, to do what they are told. Enforced loss of personal freedoms was one of the hallmarks of the conservative government's response to the coronavirus pandemic in the UK. Speaking on the outlet's Lockdown Files podcast, this government advisor set out his claim of obedience through behavioral interventions, even suggesting the nation's prior experience made it much easier to now imagine the population would accept future local restrictions. This Professor Halpern said that while fear-based messaging in general is not effective on most people, he defended its use in extreme circumstances, choosing not to reference the mass protests that built across the country after the restrictions began in March of 2020. 
There are times when you do need to cut through, particularly if you think people are wrongly calibrated, he said. He said messages on posters used throughout the pandemic restrictions acted as visual prompts so that when you go into a shop or somewhere else, it reminds you, it cues, it acts as a trigger for your behavior. The professor said this messaging encouraged mask wearing, meaning people felt naked when they forgot to put on a mask. Put it this way, he said, you would feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't got my mask. You feel naked, don't you? Naked is the southern terminology of the UK's N-A-K-E-D, naked. Naked is N-E-K-K-E-D. Once the public has learned a new behavior, Professor Halpern said, in principle, you can switch it back on, even though plenty of UK citizens refuse to comply and give up their freedoms in the first place. You've got the beginning, particularly of what is called a habit loop. If this has happened, then you should do that, he said. Major disasters leave this enduring trace on society, he said, as well as knowing the drill, this quasi Evolutionary impact is a strong indicator of future behavior, he claimed. You know, we talked about this during our pandemic here on the show at TNN Live. We even wrote about it. And we heard what Kentucky Senator Rand Paul said about it. He felt like and still feels like our pandemic in large part, the lockdowns that were contained in the pandemic, were a test by our government, many in our government, to see just how much of our personal freedoms we were living to, willing to give up to the government. In other words, we voluntarily turn in our rights on this. Why? Because the government says we need to. That's exactly what you just heard coming from the UK. Now, on that note, have you seen today's story, the front page story, on truthnewsnet.org. Have you seen it? It references this exact same thing that Professor Halpin was talking about. We're looking at a whole new lifestyle. Ooh, that's heavy, Dan. What do you mean, a whole new lifestyle? The story this morning, the title of it is this, The United Nations is planning to seize global emergency powers and do so with Biden's support. This proposal might be the biggest attempted power grab in the history of the United Nations. If it's approved, listen to this. If it is approved, the United States as we know it could cease to exist. So what's this all about? In September of 2024, less than two months before the next U.S. presidential election, the United Nations is going to host a landmark's summit of the future, summit of the future, where member nations will adopt a pact for the future. What is this pact for the future? If you go to the story today, it's in a hyperlink, pact for the future. Click on it, and it will take you right to that pact. The agreement, we are told, will solidify numerous policy reforms that are offered by the United Nations. 
They've done so over the past two years as part of its sweeping Our Common Agenda platform. Now, that sounds a little tyrannical to me. I mean, I can't stand the United Nations in the first place. I think we give them too much money. There are a few other countries that do. But they have adopted the mindset that they are in charge of everything. And they're beginning to demand more and more unilateral power. And this, this pact for the future, is jam-packed with stuff that if Joe Biden allows it to happen, it's going to change the face of our nation. Although there are numerous radical proposals included in this agenda, perhaps none are more important than the UN plan for a new emergency platform. This one should scare you to death. It's a stunning proposal to give the United Nations significant powers in the event of future global shocks. That's the term they use, global shocks. So what would comprise global shocks? Well, the obvious one is another worldwide pandemic. Many of the details in this emergency platform were laid out in a March 2023 policy paper. We talked about it here on the air. It's titled Strengthening the International Response to Complex Global Shocks, an Emergency Platform. So what's in the paper? I'm going to give it to you again. You might want to write this down and go look it up because you can grab it. Strengthening the International Response to complex global shocks, an emergency platform. So in the paper, the UN Secretary General writes this, quote, I propose that the General Assembly provide the Secretary General and the United Nations system with a standing authority to convene and operationalize automatically an emergency platform in the event of a future complex global shock of sufficient scale, severity, and reach. Once this is triggered, the emergency platform would give the United Nations the ability to, quote, actively promote and drive an international response that places the principles of, here you go, equity and solidarity at the center of its work. That's what this guy said. The UN would bring together what they call stakeholders of the world, including academics, governments, private sector actors, and international financial institutions to ensure there is a unified global response to the crisis. Now, who determines all of this stuff? Well, it's the guys, the authoritarians that are in charge and would be in charge And who decides who they are? The members of the United Nations. The emergency platform would also give the UN the power to ensure that all participating actors make commitments that can contribute meaningfully to the response and that they are held to account for delivery on those commitments. Now, who decides all those? Meaningfully contribution. The United Nations does. In other words, the UN would be given unprecedented authority over the public in every nation that's a member of the United Nations and also private sectors 
of huge swaths of the world, all in the name of battling a yet unknown crisis. Now, that's bad. That's bad. That's scary. That's giving all our government power to an entity that we very nicely allowed to come and headquarters in Southeast Manhattan in the United Nations building. They could tell us, our government, what to do and what not to do. They could tell the people of the United States what to do and what not to do with penalty if you don't cooperate under law. As difficult as it is to believe, the story gets even worse. Although the duration of the emergency platform would initially be set for a finite period, at the end of that finite period, whoever the Secretary General is of the United Nations at that time could extend the work of an emergency platform if required. Now that is according to the United Nations on policy proposal. You want to see that? Go to this story. There's a section down halfway or so in the story that's titled, It Gets Worse in the first paragraph. There's a hyperlink. You can click on it and see what the United Nations on policy proposal is. What it means is the Secretary General would have the authority to keep this emergency platform in place indefinitely all with no reauthorization from any or all member nations. It's unilateral power given to one person. That is not even an American. What kind of global shock would trigger this emergency platform? Well, the UN provides several possible examples in its format proposal. They include a major climatic event, future pandemic risk, a global digital connectivity disruption, major event in outer space, and my personal favorite is unforeseen risk. Now, what the heck are unforeseen risk? In other words, the Secretary General makes the unilateral decision of what should fall in the purview of the United Nations in these emergency situations. This isn't to say that these incredibly broad categories would be the only possible justifications allowed to trigger this emergency platform. The proposal, the UN proposal, makes clear that it would allow the convening role of the United Nations to be maximized in the face of crises that have global reach and should be agnostic as to the type of crisis, as we do not know what type of global shock we may face in the future. But don't worry. The United Nations has got unilateral authority and control, and they're going to take care of all of us. Further, the Secretary General would decide when to convene an emergency platform in response to a determined by the Secretary General of the United Nations when there's a complex global shock event. Or put in simpler terms, A global shop is whatever the UN's leadership says it is, triggered whenever the United Nations desires. And guess what? This will shock you. The Biden administration is supporting the whole thing. 
The emergency platform proposal might be the biggest attempted power grab in the history of the United Nations. But as shocking as it is, it pales in comparison to the Biden administration's treatment of this massively extremist proposal. Rather than assert our independence and sovereignty, the White House has expressed its support for this emergency platform. U.S. Ambassador Chris Liu noted in at least two March 2022 speeches that the Biden administration backs this emergency platform and a bunch of other proposals that are included in our common agenda. The emergency platform would centralize a massive amount of power and influence, giving the U.N. greater control over Americans' lives than anybody else has ever had. And rather than stand up for Americans' right, our president, Joe Biden, has already agreed to sell us out. If this emergency platform is approved, the United States as we know it could cease to exist. That sounds dire, but it's true. We either stand for freedom now or risk everything come September of 2024. Now let me just wrap this up by telling you my thoughts. Make no mistake and don't dismiss this revelation. We've known for several years that globalists have an agenda for the entire world. It may be some variation of globalism or even Marxism. It could even be a prelude to a really disastrous takeover of globalist authoritarians. So what might this look like? Here's nothing more than just my idea. Categorize it as you would like, accept it or reject it. What's the largest entity within the United Nations? The WHO, the World Health Organization, WHO. By the way, who is the largest funder of the WHO? Well, most people think it's the United States government. It's not. It's Bill Gates. Massive. Whole lot more than the United States on behalf of the American people. Bill Gates ponies up the largest amount of support. Wow, that's a good thing, right? Not so fast. Remember why Bill Gates is so heavily involved with the WHO. Gates is a eugenicist. A eugenicist. So what's that, Dan? A eugenicist is defined as a person who supports and advocates for the practice of advocacy of controlled selective breeding of human populations using things like sterilization or eugenics to improve the population's genetic composition. Bill Gates is such a person. So is his father. In fact, eugenics is characteristic of multiple generations of the Gates. Many feel that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's multiple tests around the world on indigenous populations in countries like India, Africa, and Asia were little more than a disguise to cover for the practice of, quote, selectively reducing the populations of multiple countries. Now, we've documented all of this, these tests, 
They went to India, tested a bunch of kids, killed a bunch of kids, were kicked out of India for their test, was Bill Gates. They then moved to New Zealand and tried the same thing there. They got kicked out. That could probably explain the foundation's aggressive vaccine promotions for many conditions. Oddly enough, in such tests in India and Africa, egregious side effects and even deaths among the test subjects led the Indian government to kick the Gates Foundation out of their country. Subsequently, those Charles were moved to New Zealand, and the New Zealand government stepped in and said no. Put these facts in the mix of understanding that the U.S. population, listen to these numbers, our population from 2022 to 2023 was up by just about a half a million people. That doesn't seem strange, right? No, that's wrong. It is strange. According to U.S. Census Bureau population estimates released yesterday, half of all states and nearly three-quarters of all counties experienced more deaths than births in their population between July 1st, 2020 and June 30th of 2021. Natural change is what they're they're talking about and calling this. Natural change. What is that? It's a measure of the relationship between births and deaths. Natural increase happens when there are more births than there are deaths. A natural decrease means there were more people dying than babies born in a particular population. Now, what happened in the United States from July 1, 2020 and June 30th of 2021? COVID-19, lockdowns, masks, vaccinations, and COVID deaths a large number of which were from adverse reactions to COVID-19 vaccinations. Go to this article in the story. There's a link to the openvares.com COVID data that comes right from the Centers for Disease Control. Now, it doesn't matter to me who and what's happening. If our COVID pandemic was real, and all of the information we were given was accurate or not, it smelled, if nothing else. Where I was raised, South Louisiana, if something quacks and waddles, it's always a duck. And this whole thing, this UN thing, this WHO thing, this Bill and Melinda Gates thing, the eugenics, the fact that America's population grew by just a fraction of what it does normally, and we had more deaths than we did births. This is all quacking and waddling. The obvious is almost certainly, if not certainly, true. And that horrifies me. Go to that story today, truthnewsnet.org. Please read it. Take notes of the included information within it. Research for yourself and your family members. You owe it to them at least, but you owe it to yourself too. There's something wrong with this. Let's not just dismiss it without examining it from every side and determining 
its legitimacy if it has any. Don't want to scare you, but I want you to have facts. Arm yourself with facts so you can make your own determinations. Let me ask you, how are you going to respond? And this is going to happen. We're going to hear somebody in Washington, D.C., between now and the end of the Biden administration, we're going to see him step on the stage. Maybe it's a a real stage somewhere else, or maybe it's just the White House briefing room. And without any pre-notice, he's going to tell us, we've got a pandemic, and it's all around us. Well, what does that mean? A pandemic, we thought COVID, the emergency was gone. He lifted the emergency pronunciation of the COVID-19 pandemic. If this thing happens with the United Nations, he, Joe Biden, president, will cede control of any part and every part of the United States as you know it today. If this thing happens, if he formalizes it, and I'm told he has the authority to do so, we're locked into a situation where somebody else, somebody from somewhere else, not even an American, whoever is Secretary General of the United Nations, and they, their building is on a piece of ground, some of the most expensive ground in the United States, the southeast side, way down at the bottom of Manhattan. We gave it to them. Well, they paid us for it, but we let them have it for pennies. And somebody that works there and lives someplace private in Manhattan could determine the outcome of everything that happens in your life and mine. For how long? Hey, as long as they say there's a pandemic. If they declare not even a pandemic, but some type of emergency somewhere in the world, it won't just be in the United States. If there's something going on in Zimbabwe and Africa, and it's conducive to what our politicians want to take control of, hey, 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 call goes in from the White House to the Secretary General of the United Nations, and bam, he makes it an emergency. And we're stuck with anything and everything in the way of decisions that come out of that. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes or insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. 
But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? Separating fact from fiction. Arming you with the ammunition of liberty. The truth on TNN. Truthnewsnet.org. Liberty and justice for all. You think about what I just told you about the United Nations and the power that this, uh, this whole thing would give to them. They could forget about the guarantees in our Constitution. This emergency situation would supersede any of our rights and privileges as Americans because it would be for the common good of people of the world everywhere. And it wouldn't even matter if whatever is happening, this emergency thing that is happening, if it was happening in the United States or not, it would impact us. We'd be caught up in whatever the United Nations says we got to do. We got to stop this thing. Reach out to your lawmakers. Let them know what's going on and make sure they understand that Joe Biden's already committed he's going to do this. And it's coming up, and it'll happen in September of 2024, before the end of his administration as president. Something else. We talked about the U.K. and this stuff coming up over there. Listen to this one. A parents' organization was reportedly prevented from opening a bank account with Metro Bank in the UK over opposition to allowing children to undergo life-altering transgender medical procedures. This is the latest revelation of British banks banning customers for their political views. So you remember Nigel Farage, he was the Brexit leader in the UK. He revealed that nine banks have refused him bank accounts, a slew of people, mostly holding right-wing or conservative-leaning beliefs, have revealed they have faced similar Chinese communist-style debanking in Britain. According to a report from The Telegraph, the transgenderism-critical parents group, Our Duty, and they represent about 2,000 parents who are concerned about children being encouraged into medically transitioning their gender, has been refused a new bank account at the Metro Bank. Our Duty's founder, a guy named Keith Jordan, told the broadsheet they were notified by the bank they were not eligible for a business account, and the reason given, because the content of your website conflicts with the culture and ideas that we are pushing. Now, this isn't just a tiny little bank. Metro Bank is the UK's seventh largest bank. Two and a half million customers. They join the far-left LGBTQ plus Stonewall Charities Diversity Champions Scheme. 
which the government's information commissioner has previously claimed, holds a significant degree of influence over the firms that sign up. Stonewall denies that it exerts any pressure over the operational decisions of any company. The claims from the parents' group came after Brexit leader Nigel Farage has revealed that nine banks refused to have him as a customer, with the CB News presenter suggesting it's been a result of him being considered a politically exposed person. They call those people P-E-P, politically exposed person. They've got a name for a class of people. If you're conservative and you talk about it, you're a P-E-P if you live in Britain. So in a, a stunning move, Farage's previous bank, Couts, leaked to the BBC that their decision to drop him as a customer was because of him falling below the financial threshold of having one million deposited in their bank. Mr. Farage criticized the bank for leaking his private financial details after the political firestorm broke out after the debanking went public. Mr. Brexit also said that he had been below the threshold for some time before the decision to drop him was made by the bank. The BBC's Simon Jack also acknowledged many other customers at the once prestigious bank had come forward saying their accounts were unaffected by falling below the threshold. We all know what this crap is about. It's deplatforming. It's delegitimizing only for political purposes somebody that has a different view on political and social issues than you do. And we're the bosses of this bank. We're stockholders in the bank. We can decide who the heck we allow to do business with us or who not. That doesn't fly in the United States. Maybe it does in the UK. UK. Meanwhile, in another example of debanking in Britain, Anglo-Russian aristocrat Alexandra Tolstoy alleged that the NatWest Bank, which owns Couts, had closed her account without giving any justification. Tolstoy is a distant relative of author Leo Tolstoy and the daughter of of former UKIP politician Count Nikolai Tolstoy. She said she believed the decision to drop her as a customer was because of her name, as she doesn't air any of her political beliefs in public. Now, here's the thing she said I wanted you to hear. And listen to this if you didn't hear anything else. Quote, the irony is it's like the Soviet Union. Now she, she didn't say Russia. She said the Soviet Union. And she continued, only they would at least tell you what you're accused of. Even in the kangaroo courts of Stalin, you knew what you were being accused of, she said. It's absolutely extraordinary that this is happening in this country. I have no idea what I'm being accused of. Maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's just her name, Tolstoy. I'm telling you, this stuff is coming. It's coming. And they're going to try to do stuff like that here. Now it gets even worse. North Carolina's governor 
yesterday vetoed a trio of LGBTQ plus restrictions in ongoing fight with a GOP supermajority in the state legislature in North Carolina. This guy, Governor, Democrat Governor Roy Cooper, he vetoed these three bills aimed at LGBTQ plus youth that would ban gender-affirming health care for minors, restrict transgender participation in school sports, and limit classroom instruction about gender identity and sexuality. So while those rights, LGBTQ plus rights advocates, say that the governor's attempt to block the bills shows his support amid what they view as unrelenting attacks from the General Assembly, his veto stamp carries little weight now that Republicans hold narrow veto-proof majorities in both chambers of the state government there. His vetoes are not expected to survive override attempts, which could happen as soon as next week when lawmakers there get back from their 4th of July break. Governor Cooper denounced the bills. He called them a triple threat of political culture wars that he said would interfere with the ability of doctors and parents to care for vulnerable children whose lives have been thrust into the political spotlight and upended by legislation in dozens of Republican-led states. I just can't believe we're talking about these things. Who would even imagine believing that a 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kid has the wherewithal and comprehension and understanding and emotional maturity, even physical or mental maturity, to make a decision to cut off their sex organs. That's a permanent life-altering thing that cannot be undone. You can fill kids with hormones. None of that is going to help them. Look. If the LGBTQ plus group, their leadership, and there are leaders, there are people that are flag bearers that are out there in front of this, let me challenge all of you, and you need to do, those of you listening, you need to do the same thing. Put this out around you. Hey, listen, if this really works, if this is something that gives young people, kids, a positive life and positive life outcome, Let us meet and talk to those kids that have been through it, that it's been so successful. We can give you names and testimony. I did so yesterday of a specific person that went through this process just like they're talking about doing in North Carolina, at least Governor Cooper is, just throwing the rights to have all kinds of transitioning things just opened up. Anybody, come on down. You want to cut off your sex organs? organs? No problem. We'll do it for you. It's legal here in North Carolina. We don't care if it's biologically prudent. We don't care if we don't know how or if you can even change somebody's sex for 260 years. Biological sex has been determined by what the person has when they're born. That's biology. But you know what? Just because in biology there's no proof that allows this to be legitimate, 
If you want to go do it, just go do it. It's your body. Letting kids make those decisions. So before this year, North Carolina had, they hadn't passed any LGBTQ plus regulations after its 2016 bathroom bill. You might remember that one restricted transgender access to public restrooms and banned cities from enacting new anti-discrimination ordinance. And it cost the state millions in lost business before they rolled it back in 2017 and settled in federal court in 2019. These policies, the governor warned, could damage the state's reputation and economy in a similar way. None of that matters. None of that matters. All that matters is what the heck they're doing to kids. Come on now. Be adults. Be thinking, understanding comprehensively what's going on in the lives of not just North Carolina kids, but kids across the United States and around the world. When one of the biggest new things to get into is, hey, 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 I want to consider and I'm thinking seriously about transitioning, getting my body chopped up, losing my chance of enjoying sex for the rest of my life, never being able to father a child or to bear a child again. But because it's cool and it's the latest thing to do, just go for it. Fly by the seat of your pants. You're going to be fine if you want to do Go do it. All that matters is that's what you want to do. Hmm. That's the way people are thinking, and they're thinking that, and it's directly impacting an entire generation of American kids that are on the other side of it, if they go through it, more than 90% of them will regret it. That's what the numbers say of people that have been strong and come forward and been honest and said, I wish I didn't do it. I wish I didn't do it. Now let's get off this stuff. Let's get off the LGBTQ, the transitioning transitioning stuff. I want you to listen to a few people in our second hour that made some really good contributions verbally over the last couple of days to all of these uh, secular ideas that are just tearing this nation to shreds. The affirmative action ruling that the United States Supreme Court did last week that made affirmative action illegal, unconstitutional for universities to use that to stop people from being eligible to go to these universities. Dave Rubin, he found an old speech between, not a speech, but an interview, between Tucker Carlson and Thomas Sowell. Rubin will tell you about Sowell and how this came together, but I want you to listen to what Thomas Sowell had to say about affirmative action. Here's some sanity for you. This is uh, the legendary by the way, who just turned 93 years young just a few days ago, I think on June 27th, if I'm not mistaken, Thomas Sowell, who actually still technically is at Stanford. And when he was at Stanford for the majority of his career, Stanford was a somewhat functional university. Uh, But this is Thomas Sowell about a decade or so ago, 
uh, wrecking, absolutely wrecking affirmative action uh, with Tucker Carlson. You often hear people say, well, affirmative action may be unfair, but it's helped a lot of people. You buy that? Uh, it may have helped some people, but on, on net balance, I don't believe it has. There's a marvelous uh, uh, st study done uh, showing that when they bl banned affirmative action in California, uh, University of California system, uh, blacks began to uh, graduate at a much higher rate than before, graduate with much uh, higher grade point average, graduated in subjects like math and engineering to a far greater extent than before, because now the students went to those particular parts of the university system that fitted their particular academic preparation and they graduated before you know you could flunk out of Berkeley or UCLA right. which does you no good now you can graduate from Davis or, or Santa Cruz and, and, and go on to a career isn't that something if you put people at schools that they should be in that match up with their skills with their work ethic with what the sum totality of what they are at that ripe age, 16, 17, and you put them in a school that can help that flourish. You don't just elevate them to a school that can't help them flourish just because of the color of their skin, that they actually will do better in life. Isn't that something? And if you do that, you also don't have to discriminate against those pesky Asians and white people who work real hard. Affirmative action. When it first came out years and years ago, I thought it was reverse discrimination. I, I, I mean, I thought uh, when Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he taught us that we don't need to determine anything about anybody based upon their skin color, their ethnicity. That's exactly what affirmative action did. And it's been a dismal failure in almost every case because somebody gets a leg up in something, not because of being more capable, having more credibility, more ability, more knowledge, not being better that's proven, but simply because of their skin color. And the person that is better, more qualified, gets kicked to the curb for the same reason. They have the wrong skin color. Well, United States Senator... John Kennedy, good friend from Louisiana. He's a bard. He's Mark Twain of this generation. We're going to take a break. When we come back, you're going to hear Senator Kennedy weigh in on something I think everybody is hung up on. And that's what's happening in this president's life and the life of... Um, Hunter Biden, I mean, Hunter Biden's got a screwed up life. I don't care who you are. The best thing, the only real positive thing I know he has is the fact that he's the son of the United States president. And he has monetized that in ways beyond recognition. When we come back, Senator Kennedy is going to weigh in all things, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Don't miss this. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. Oh, yes, sir. 
That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Page died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Page is dead. In what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Page. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Manita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Compare it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him $5, and he said I only gave him $1. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one on me. Uh-huh. And this is the $1 right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. You know what's interesting to me? You know, everybody knows now. They found uh, white powder in the White House. Oh, my gosh, white powder. They emptied the whole White House because they thought it could be some kind of poison. Well, they brought in the experts, and sure enough, it wasn't poison. It was actually cocaine. Now, that's a big deal, cocaine in the White House. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm going to, in just a few minutes, I'm going to tell you a, a couple of stories about previous presidents that may or may not have had cocaine in the White House, and it might shock you. But this is just one of the things, the conundrums, that it seems like the Biden administration, the president himself, brings on himself. He's got a son, Hunter Biden, his only living son now, his oldest son, passed away from brain cancer, Bo Biden, several years ago. And Joe laments that all the time, but Hunter is his left, the only son that he has left. And he is willing to do anything and everything for his son, Hunter. And with that comes a bad in the review mirror drug problem where Hunter Biden himself personally admitted he was hopelessly addicted. He even told the story about how he'd get on the floor 
the carpeted floor and would look around on the floor just trying anything and everything he could stuff in his crack pipe and smoke. That's a bad addiction. It just so happens Hunter was at the White House this weekend over the holiday weekend. And he and his dad went to Camp David, but before that and after that, he was in the White House. So there's the saga of cocaine, and it's been circulated. The comedians have picked up on it, although not very many. Just imagine if that happened to somebody like Donald Trump Jr. Cocaine at the White House while his dad was president. Oh, my gosh, it had been all over the news. Well, Senator Kennedy weighed in yesterday on not just this, but on the Biden family syndicate issues. Listen to Senator Kennedy. Louisiana Republican Senator John Kennedy with me now. It's sir, nice to see you and a happy 4th of July to you um, on the day after. Thank you for your time. David Weiss sent Jim Jordan a letter on Friday afternoon. Uh, he pretty much denied all of the claims that made against him, including this one. Uh, I've been granted ultimate authority over this matter, including responsibility for where, when, and whether to file charges and for making decisions necessary to preserve the integrity of the prosecution. He went on to say, if I want to work in D.C. or Central California, California, I can do it. Um, someone's not telling the truth, Senator. Well, Bill, I, I would, I guess I'd make two points. Number one, it's almost always the cover up and not the crime. And, and number two, I'm repeatedly amazed at how many smart people there are in Washington, D.C., who have no sense. Um, Look, I, I don't know if Mr. Hunter Biden committed a crime. I, I sure don't know if President Biden committed a crime. We're trying to get a, get the facts. But but I do know this, and I think the American people can see it. The the uh, the, the Washington managerial elite, the establishment, if you will, is uh, is working harder than an ugly stripper to cover up whatever happened, and and that's all that Congress is asking for is the facts. And and to the point that they have no sense, the, the elite in Washington think that the American people don't see that they're covering up and that they're being obstructionist. Maybe it's a reflection of the contempt they have for the American people, but any fair-minded person can see that uh, that 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 our effort to get to the just the facts are, are being obstructed. Yeah, Gary Sh Gary Shapley is the whistleblower. Just here's a quote from him. Um, he says none of the three were involved in the underlying investigation during Gary's tenure, to my knowledge. What what they're talking about are three prosecutors who apparently worked on Hunter Biden's case for five years, and then they were removed recently. What would explain why that would happen, or is that just a regular course in law? Well, that's why we need the fact. I mean, just look at this from 35,000 feet. Let's suppose you're, you're an important government official, Bill, and very powerful, and, and your grown kid comes home one day and says, Dad, good news. A bunch of Russian companies and Chinese companies and Romanian companies and Ukrainian companies have just hired me. They're giving me millions of dollars to give them advice about stuff I don't know anything about. Now, what, what are you going to do as a, as a responsible government official? You're not going to say, 
Don't tell me anything about it, but be sure and share some with your sister. You're going, you're going to try to find out what's going on. And the White House's story is that the president knew nothing about any of this. And, I mean, it just doesn't pass the smell test. Well, if, and again, if, not, you wanna, I, if you want to figure this out, then you got to put him under oath. And he, exactly. he, said, he said that he would accept an invitation from House members. I welcome the opportunity to talk about these topics with the committee in more detail. If that's the case, you bring him in, you swear him in, yes, and you work but, for answers. But you also, have to, you also have to have the documents, and you have to have the emails, and you have to have the, the taped telephone conversations. And that's what the House is trying to get. I mean, it started with Hunter Biden's laptop. They tried to convince the American people that it wasn't real. And it was. And I think many people in the federal government knew almost from the, the, the inception that it was real. Senator, and so do, do a lot you of folks think, lied to the American yeah. people. Do you think there's obstruction here? It sure looks like it. Senator, do you think there's obstruction here. Long pause. And then U.S. Senator Kennedy said, it sure looks like it. If it quacks and waddles, it's usually a duck. So one of the conundrums facing President Biden, his administration now, is that cocaine found in the White House. Of course, no surprise to anybody, Donald Trump attacks the Bidens and the media following the discovery of this cocaine at the White House over the weekend. Here's what he said, President Trump. Does anybody really believe that the cocaine found in the West Wing of the White House, very close to the Oval Office, is for the use of anyone other than Hunter and Joe Biden? That's from former President Trump on his social media site, Truth Social, yesterday. And he continued, but watch, the fake news media will soon start saying the amount found was very small and it wasn't really cocaine, but rather common ground-up aspirin and the story will go away, he theorized. But he wasn't through. As you can imagine, the former president then set his sight on special counsel Jack Smith whose office recently indicted him on charges related to the handling of those classified documents, Trump asked if Smith had been seen in the vicinity of the drugs, claiming that he looks like a crackhead to me. Okay. (laughs) But anyway, where did it come from? Whose is it? I don't know that we'll ever know. But information-wise, Joe Biden apparently isn't the first Democrat president to have cocaine at the White House. Now, who might you think would be the others? Well, they have been alleging Biden is the first Democrat president to have cocaine at the White House. Democrat presidents Clinton and Roosevelt were both accused of having cocaine in the White House while they were in office. And JFK, President John F. Kennedy, apparently used illicit drugs of some kind to treat his chronic health issues. I didn't know any of this. Clinton's staffers allegedly used cocaine on the job 
That's from former Secret Service officer Gary Byrne in a 2016 book, according to the New York Post. Federal law enforcement accused dozens of Clinton staffers for using cocaine and other illegal drugs before they were hired, and the administration allegedly created a special drug testing system to ensure the staffers receive security clearances. That's according to the Los Angeles Times in 97. Before Clinton, President Kennedy used a number of drugs to treat his debilitating health issues. Unsealed presidential medical records show that. Kennedy used codeine, Demerol, and methadone for chronic pain, thyroid hormones, barbiturates for sleep, Ritalin, meprobamate, and Librium for anxiety and other medicines to combat infections. And then even before them, President Franklin Roosevelt was given cocaine regularly to treat sinus problems. That's according to historian Steve Gillen, based on Roosevelt's medical records and medical literature at the time. Roosevelt would not have known he was using cocaine because medical journals advised doctors not to tell patients that cocaine was mixed into their sinus treatment. Multiple White House guests have allegedly used illicit drugs without getting caught. Rapper Snoop Dogg, he claimed in 2014 he smoked a joint in a White House bathroom during a 2013 visit before marijuana legalization in Washington, D.C., Country music legend Willie Nelson said he smoked a joint on the White House roof during the Jimmy Carter administration. And former Villanova basketball player Gary McClain said he was on cocaine when the NCAA champs visited the Reagan White House back in 1985. There's also speculation that former British TV star Erkin Mustafa doing cocaine at a Reagan White House event to promote its Just Say No campaign against illegal drug use. Secret Service agents discovered white powder in the White House on June 3rd, two days after drug addict, former drug addict, we're told, Hunter Biden, left the building. The agency conducted a drug test, confirmed Wednesday, cocaine was found in the White House. Don't forget, Cocaine is a Schedule II drug under the Controlled Substances Act, and federal law makes it illegal to possess the substance. The drug is highly addictive, euphoria-inducing, and it is a stimulant. One more story about this. MSNBC, Andrea Mitchell. She was stunned yesterday over revelations about that cocaine at the West Wing. Mitchell called the discovery unusual, adding she was having a hard time wrapping her head around it. She said, we've just learned that a formal lab has confirmed the suspicion that the white powdery substance found in the West Wing on Sunday was in fact positive for cocaine. The discovery led to a brief evacuation of the White House Sunday night. NBC White House correspondent Mike Mamoli. So Mike, this is Andrea Mitchell talking, Where do things stand now? This is so unusual. You and I have covered the White House for years. I can't even fathom anything like this having been found before in the West Wing. And I go back to the 70s at the White House. So this is pretty wild, she said. The Secret Service confirmed yesterday the white substance 
in the West Wing Library tested positive for cocaine. And that discovery came just two days after President Biden's son, Hunter, was seen leaving the executive mansion. The Secret Service initially thought it was anthrax when it was discovered during a routine security sweep, and that prompted the evacuation of the building. It's unclear how it got into the building. So here's the conundrum with all of this. Everybody that goes into the White House, I mean everybody, news people, politicians, whoever it is, you go through an exhaustive testing section. I mean you are scanned. They'll look at things like watches and necklaces. They have drug-sniffing dogs. I mean they, they are all in on finding things on people that are coming to the White House. So everybody is screened, with the exception of Joe Biden's official party. They don't go through that. Family members. Ooh. Hunter was there. You just can't make this stuff up. (laughs) The members of the Biden family syndicate they just they can't get through the controversy it keeps coming back it keeps coming back and i'm not laughing about it i'm just saying you know you just can't make this stuff up it's almost like joe biden learned early on in his life how to shoot himself in the foot and he's probably got dozens of bullet scars on his feet from doing just that through his stellar career in the Senate, his four runs for the White House, one being the last one, the successful one. But he steps on his tongue all the time when he's talking. But in this one, he didn't have to say a word. Looks like Hunter may be the one who handled this debacle. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Beat Yourself Up Hotline. Is this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes, sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it. Okay, I'd like to beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead when you're comfortable. I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again. Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? When, oh, when will I learn? You beat yourself up very well, sir. Thanks. But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com. SmartShip.com? Right. Type in your zip code and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute. Wow. SmartShip.com. Mm-hmm. 
Why didn't I think of that? Well, Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir. When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift. Smartship.com, the way smart shipping is done. You know, you've heard this song. That's the beginning of a song called Life's Been Good. You hear it a lot, and it's it's an oldie. It's been around for years and years and years. You know who that is? I'll tell you who it is. You may not even know it, who it is after I tell you. Joe Walsh, W-A-L-S-H, Joe Walsh. You know who he is? I guess his latest group, his latest band was the Eagles. And when he was with the Eagles all those years, when they traveled and did concerts and stayed in these hotels, when drugs were flowing everywhere, he was known for destroying hotel rooms. And when I say destroy, I mean tearing up everything in a hotel room. Beds, walls, ceilings, fans, windows, bathrooms, shower doors, destroying them. I never understood that. I mean, I would think if, you know, if I was a, and I'm a musician, but if I was a member of a group like the Eagles, I'd kind of make sure I've dotted I's and crossed T's and didn't do stupid stuff. But maybe we're talking about cocaine at the White House. Maybe, just maybe, that kind of made Joe Walsh do some things that he probably otherwise wouldn't have done. Now, by the way, this morning it leaked out the news about that White House cocaine it was actually found in a locker in the West Wing, somewhere in the West Wing. It wasn't in the library, we're told, but in a locker. Now, what would that mean? They know who's using whatever lockers there are. They know. Hmm. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, don't you? You heard... Senator Kennedy, at the end of that little comment section that he made, he was asked, is there corruption? Do you believe, Senator, there is corruption in all of this Biden family syndicate stuff? That's not what the question was. They didn't use the term. Bill at Fox did not use the term Biden family syndicate. But with all of the goings on, everything that is happening in the Biden family, do you suspect there's corruption? Well, Maria Bartiromo, she had Representative Nancy Mace on with her a couple of days ago, and she asked some of the same questions. Here's Representative Mace and Maria Bartiromo. So what's going on in terms of the DOJ? We are hearing increasing stories that Merrick Garland, the AG, perhaps got in the way of the U.S. attorney's investigation. David Weiss says that he was stopped at every turn trying to do the investigative steps necessary in investigating tax crimes of Hunter Biden. 
Right, and it's very clear here that somebody is lying. And I trust these whistleblowers far more than I trust the Attorney General Merrick Garland. And what we ought to be doing is subpoenaing everybody, every single document, every uh, deposition, especially Hunter Biden's yesterday, anything that there is, because what we have learned is that the DOJ has been complicit and has been covering up this investigation. We heard from the IRS whistleblower this week. And what I want to do is I want to call Merrick Garland, the attorney general. I want to have him to Congress under oath and ask him if he ordered the code red, because the more that we learn about this, the worse it gets. And I think this is going to go down as one of the most corrupt presidents, most corrupt administrations in U.S. history. And I can't express how angry I am, Maria. The more that I learn about this, the far worse it gets. And the fact that they were blocking this investigation of corruption and money laundering, uh, you know, literally the Biden family sold our country out. It's unbelievable and it's obscene and every American should be angry about this. Well, your committee, the House Oversight Committee, has uncovered a whole host of evidence. And the chairman, James Comer, told me last week that he thinks it could be upwards of $40 million that you can identify of money taken in by the Biden family. How long has this been going on? And what can you tell us about your investigation right now into the influence peddling? Well, our investigation will get to the bottom of it. I'll tell you, some of the suspicious activity reports that we've seen, I saw one alone that was over $40 million. Now, that was split between multiple people, not just the Bidens and their family members. But when we talk about, you know, the 18 million that the IRS whistleblower brought up this week, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think this could go far. It's going to go far north of that. I think it go, could go further than 50 million I mean, dollars that we're talking about. But we as the Oversight Committee have to win the court of public opinion by showing the overwhelming amount of evidence that I believe our committee is going to receive. So we are using firms in foreign countries to get bank records overseas. We have to be able to connect the dots, show the evidence. Because as you just saw on the screen you, pr you provided, Maria, uh, America doesn't trust Congress. So what I want to see us do is provide the evidence and let the American people decide for themselves just how corrupt this president and his administration and his family have really been. Well, look, Dr. Jill Biden has been pushing him to run in 2024. Maybe she doesn't want the gravy train to stop. Can you walk us through the most important and most damning evidence that you say you have? I know you've got bank records. You've got these suspicious activity reports and the whistleblower testimony. Walk us through what's most damning in your view. Well, the 1023 forms so far have been the most damning, and if we could get them unredacted, we'd have everything that we would need to connect the dots. But unfortunately, the FBI has been stonewalling our investigation. Thank God that we have Congressman Comer and Senator Grassley. Grassley seems to know where all the bodies are buried, and we get information from their research and from whistleblowers that are coming forward. I would encourage every whistleblower, everyone who has information, to come to our committees. But the bank records are going to be key because we're not allowed to share the suspicious activity reports. The 1023 forms that are unclassified are also going to be very important because they corroborate information in texts and emails and WhatsApp messages that Hunter Biden had on his laptop. None of, it, of this is a conspiracy theory. Maria, you know that I call the balls and strikes right down the middle. And this is going to go down as one of the most explosive stories of corruption in United States history when we're done with this investigation. But do you think you'll get to the bottom of it? I mean, let's face it, Comer told us that there's we like 20 to. shell companies. Yeah, but there are 20 shell companies. How are you going to follow the money? They made it real complex, didn't they? 
Yeah, they did. And in the first 1023 form from the FBI, the Ukrainians were bragging about how it would take the U.S. government 10 years to follow the money and figure out where the money came from and where it finally ended up through the different shell companies. But thank goodness we have good witnesses and whistleblowers from the IRS who've done some of that investigation, who've done some of that work until they were blocked by what it sounds like to be Merrick Garland, who's going to be key to all of this. We have to get him under oath. We have to get him before Congress and we have to get the truth. We don't have a lot of time, Maria. It's going to take a lot of money and resources and we've got to work fast. Well, have you gotten a response from any of these people? You want their depositions? It's still very early. We don't have a response yet, to my knowledge. And if they don't show up, Maria, if they don't provide the documentation, then they will. we will need to hold them in contempt of Congress. That is absolutely the threat to me that's on the table and was something we ought to use because we have to get to the bottom of this. We have to get to the truth because Merrick Garland clearly was part of the cover-up. And if he will not do his job, then we have a duty to do it for him. And that's what we're going to do on oversight. So you got Representative Nancy Mace there from the Oversight Committee, and she just went into more of the details regarding the corruption in the Biden administration. There's news out even right now. Oversight Committee Chairman Comer, Representative Comer from Kentucky, said this morning, there is now uncontroverted factual information that confirms The Department of Justice, DOJ, under the leadership of Attorney General Marilyn Garland, did intervene in the Hunter Biden investigation. Now, Comer hasn't gone into the details yet, but he said there is factual proven proof. Proven proof. I guess that's an oxymoron when you put those two together. Proven facts that the DOG did get in, DOJ did get involved in intervening in the Hunter Biden case. More about that as we get it. Let's move on. General, former General Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin administered yesterday military oath of office to new recruits. As our military, nobody talks about this, our military now faces continued recruiting crisis. They can't get people to join voluntarily the military. So to mark the 50th anniversary of the all-volunteer force, Defense Secretary Austin traveled to Fort Meade, Maryland. He went by Black Hawk helicopter yesterday to administer the military oath of office to 85 brave young men and women. 67 of these new recruits shipped out to basic training just hours after this ceremony, leaving for bases all across the country that include Paris Island, South Carolina, and Fort Moore in Georgia. Fifty years ago this week, the U.S. stopped drafting citizens into service and turned instead to an all-volunteer force. That's what Austin said when he was speaking to these recruits. Ever since then, Americans like you have joined our military out of conviction and not out of compulsion. Secretary Austin's visit comes as the U.S. military continues to face a massive recruiting crisis that results from the robust job market, the end of wars overseas, and high rates of PTSD. 
Recruiters did not have access to college campuses or high schools during the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic, losing crucial face-to-face time with potential recruits. Now, that is coming from the Department of Justice. And, of course, what they're trying to do is find some way to excuse the fact that they're not getting people to join this military. College has also become a more popular option for high school grads. 62% of high school seniors push to go directly to college. Another reason for low recruitment numbers is the perception among some the military has gone woke. It's not just a perception. It has gone woke. The nation is facing a health crisis among young people. 77% of America's youth are not even eligible to serve. Now, that comes from the Pentagon. Think about that. 77% tested want to come in. They're not eligible. A recent Wall Street Journal article outlined another trend. The children of military families, who typically make up 80% of the U.S. Army recruits, are telling their children not to serve, especially those from the South. Don't have any explanation of why They're being told these things, but this is what facts are coming out. The Army, Air Force, and Navy are on track to miss recruiting goals again this year. The U.S. military has typically met annual recruitment goals since 1973. The Army missed its recruiting goals by 25% just last year. After 9-11... Recruiting increased because of the wave of patriotism that swept our nation. This year, the Army is expected to end up 15,000 recruits short of its 65,000 goal. Meanwhile, U.S. military chiefs say that retention has never been higher, but continue to express concern that if recruiting numbers don't get better, the U.S. will not be able to face the next great power threat or deal with two conflicts at the same time, Russia and China. So getting young men and women like the one Secretary Austin met on Wednesday, it's crucial to protecting us. We rely on you, our democracy relies on you, and your country relies on you, Secretary Austin told the recruits before they shipped out for basic training. And we do. Why, oh why? I'm not even going to ask the question of why is our recruiting down so dramatically. You know why it's down. I know why it's down. But my why, oh, why question is about this. Why the heck are leaders like Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, President Joe Biden, the heads of these military branches and our military academies, why are they allowing this to turn into what it's turned into? Why do they feel like They've got to go woke. They've got to get racist. They've got to become xenophobes. They've got to become a non-thinking robot and just listen to the elites that are running everything and are shaping the narrative of things we can believe and things we cannot believe. It's thought police. Why are they feeling like it's working? It's not working anywhere. It has never worked anywhere on the planet unless you look at totalitarian nations 
and ones that have implemented those processes, and they work, but they work for who? They work for the elites, the authoritarian leadership that run all of these woke entities. They don't work for the people of the nations in which they exist, and they don't work. Wokest policies and ideals don't work in the United States of America. And a whole crop of young Americans that they felt like had been indoctrinated enough, at least, to get them to just blow through it and come on in and join us. That's why their recruiting class is so low. It's atrocious. And these young people aren't stupid. Yeah, they spend a lot of time in la-la land and internet world and social media and all that, but that doesn't mean they're stupid. It means that their grasp of stuff is much wider than that of me and you because they're being exposed to more information. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. One would think that the more you process, the better chances you are of getting the right finished thoughts on all of these things. That obviously is the case for some people. Can't say it is for all. But why, oh why, is the leadership out there promoting all of this stuff? They ignore, they ignore the way people that are already in the military, many of them lifers, they've come to the military to make that their careers. Many of them have learned in a different thought set what the U.S. military is supposed to be. And many of those people are watching what's happening and they're abhorred with what they are seeing. Wokeism does not fit in a military and trying to make it fit is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of because it's not natural. Say what you will. It is not natural to promote the fact that biology is no longer a part and participle of science. We have been told for at least three years daily, you've got to trust the science. You've got to believe the science. Anthony Fauci was so caustic and consumed by that very thing, he got mad and he took it one more step. I am science, he said. In other words, whatever I think and say, that's what you've got to think and say because I'm science. You're too stupid. You don't get it. Just listen to me. I've got all your answers. Meanwhile, we are vulnerable militarily. What would happen if a World War II type thing broke out? Do you realize that our nation was in a world war? Two different locations for these wars at the same time. Europe and Southeast Asia. The far west Pacific. We were in big time wars. And it required a massive response from the American people. And I'm not just talking about in the military. My wife had an aunt that passed away three years ago. She was from Spring Hill, Louisiana, a little town in northwest Louisiana. She wasn't married at the time when World War II broke out. She left Spring Hill and she went to Fort Worth. 
And the reason she went to Fort Worth, she went to work in a military construction uh, manufacturing plant that was manufacturing airplanes to be used in both locations, the Pacific and in Europe in World War II. Americans by the hundreds of thousands did similar things. Americans pulled together for the common good of the nation. They put aside their political, their religious, their racial differences, and they worked side by side with fellow Americans. That's the reason why the United States beat Japan and beat Germany in World War II. Can you imagine the same thing happening today? Could you see a scenario in which the United States would actually survive another world war, taking on Russia and China at the same time? I can't see it even being possible. They would destroy us. Why? Because there's no leadership. There's no unity. We're split apart and we're put in categories, not because we're in these categories, but the wokest The crowd at the top, like Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, he puts everybody in a group, and he determines who the groups are and who should be in them and who shouldn't be. Forget about self-actualization, which is what drove this nation for 240-plus years. It gave every person the right to push to become anything and anything that they want. You name it. If you want to do it, if you're willing to pay the price, we're going to give you the unfettered opportunity to do it. Now, somebody puts you in a box. What box is that? Not the one that you think you fit in or the one that you want to go be a part of. It's what they think. And don't you dare step out of line. (laughs) Don't be so stupid. You can't do that. Because they're in charge and they know what's best for you. We have a whole generation of political sycophants that believe that way and think they know what's best for you. And forget about your specific circumstances, what your desires are, what you want for yourself and your family. Just sit down and shut up and do what they tell you. You know, we're not the only ones that struggle with these controversies in our government in the United States. Our friends from around the world do the same thing. Down in Australia, Sky News, we check in with regularly to get their spin on stuff. And one thing that came out 10 days ago, we don't even talk about anymore, was the information the White House put out, their analysis of our withdrawal from Afghanistan and what it cost. Their perspective is a little bit way away from reality. And Americans are sick of it. And they're so sick of it, they don't want to hear about it. But our friends down in Australia, they picked up the conversation. Let's listen in together. Let's check in with the leader of the free world. (laughs) And this week we've learned that President Joe Biden is using a medical device to treat sleep apnea after the media noted strap marks on his face from the CPAP machine. Is that what they're called? I don't know. But I've got to tell, sleep apnea couldn't care less what the president does to help him sleep at night. What we should care about 
is the mental decline that saw him this week claim that Vladimir Putin was losing the war in Iraq. And then yesterday, when he was asked about the State Department's damning findings on his administration's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan, we got this set of self-serving lies delivered via Biden's bizarro whispering shtick. No, no, all the evidence is coming back there. Remember what I said about Afghanistan? I said Al-Qaeda would not be there. I said it wouldn't be there. I said we'd get help from the Taliban. What's happening now? What's going on? Read your press. I was right. Thanks. So, so, so the, the report is from the State Department, actually, about the withdrawal. Help from the Taliban? Read your press? I was right. Say what now, President? So you meant to hand the country over to terrorists. You meant to leave behind billions of dollars worth of arms for the Taliban. You meant to lose control of Kabul airport, stranding hundreds of desperate American citizens. You meant to have these scenes of chaos that saw Afghans trying to flee, falling to their deaths from the undercarriage of planes. Let's actually examine what you said and what your administration said in the lead up to that withdrawal and what really happened. We'll not conduct a hasty rush to the exit. We'll do it. We'll do it responsibly, deliberately and safely. Our embassy, of course, is is remaining there and a presence there as well. We're not withdrawing. We're staying. Uh, The embassy is staying. But there's no intention right now to close the embassy or to close all the diplomatic presence. The situation in Kabul is calm right now. The Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government. We are not going to walk away and not sustain their ability to maintain that force. If there is a significant deterioration, I don't think it's going to be something that happens from a Friday to a Monday. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. The likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. The truth <laughs> is that the Taliban took control of Afghanistan within days following Biden's botched withdrawal. The Afghan National Security Forces collapsed in no time. And with Independence Day just around the corner, let's not forget the price those serving the country paid for this administration's many mistakes. Here's an injured former US Marine talking about the utter chaos in the days after the Taliban captured Kabul and the trauma of losing 13 US soldiers and the many Afghan allies they were forced to abandon. The withdrawal was a catastrophe in my opinion. And there was an inexcusable lack of accountability and negligence. The 11 Marines, one sailor, and one soldier that were murdered that day have not been answered for. Then a flash and a massive wave of pressure. I'm thrown 12 feet onto the ground, but instantly knew what had happened. I opened my eyes to Marines dead or unconscious lying around me. That's your legacy of the botched withdrawal, President Biden. I hope you can sleep at night. That's your legacy, President Biden. That's from the spokesperson or one of the spokespeople 
from one of our biggest allies, Australia and Sky News. It's not good for Joe Biden right now. It's not good for the American people. But let's don't despair. Let's trust and hope and believe that a better day is coming. And uh, we need we need to act like there's a better day that's coming. And we're going to be okay. That's the thing that I think every one of us need to lock in on. It's going to get better. We're going to be okay. And it's not because we have some magic within our power. That's not what it's about. It's about who we are. We are the greatest country in the planet. And we can do a better job than anybody else can do for us and our people. We're going to be okay. So, you guys have a great day. Thanks for being here. We'll wrap the week up together tomorrow, 9 to 11 a.m. Hardly make it through the day My tears get in the way And I need you back to stay I wander through the night And search the world to find the words to make it right All I want is just the way it used to be You here close to me I've got to make you 